0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: ABC Radio Australia. This is Fresh Off The Field,
2: the sporting spirit of the Pacific. Come to Melody and welcome to Fresh Off The Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific. It is good to be back after a four week break over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed yourself uh, wherever you're listening to in the Pacific. Uh, Once again, I will be joined by two expert co-host from across the Pacific, sharing the latest local sports news on the ground and in the islands. My first co-host is the news director of the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Indra Singh. Welcome back, Indra.
0: Abullah Bobby, and Happy New Year to all of you. It's, it's, uh, it's time flies, doesn't it? It's the 18th day into the new year.
2: I know, it certainly does. Uh, my second co-host is a sports journalist for the National Newspaper in Port Moresby. It's Patricia Chiamo. Nice to have you back as well, Patricia.
3: Hey, Bobby, it's great to be back. You know, we finished off the last show in Honero on a high note, so I'm looking forward to another awesome episode.
2: Yes, wonderful. And an awesome year with all of the co-hosts we have across eight countries. We've got 15 different co-hosts and no doubt we'll get some new ones in this year as well. Uh, Indra, let's start with you. Uh, Have you managed to take a break over the last month? And if so, what's been a highlight for you?
0: Well, Bobby, I'm not lucky as most. I've been working right through. um, And the only break I got was about a week ago, which was not a full-on break, but on the northern side of Fiji, uh, great sunshine. Um, you know, watching people dive and do some uh, deep-sea diving and trying to be one of the divers, but it's not for me. That's what I've learned. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, been been a working uh, Christmas and New Year for me. So, uh, looking, looking forward to this year, it's going to be hectic. Um, but, uh, you know, in between, wherever a break uh, comes up, it'll be most welcomed.
2: I'm sure it will be. Always working hard, news director of the Fijian Broadcasting. That's interesting. Uh, Patricia, it was so nice to work alongside you at the Pacific Games last year. Uh, did you manage to get a break yourself or did you, like Indra,
3: work through? Oh, no, unfortunately, I didn't get any break. I worked through Christmas and New Year because um, our sports editor went for his leave after we came back from Honiara. So I got thrown into the deep end and I am still running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my co-hosts
2: are working hard and I've got them back into it. I myself had a break and now I feel uh, very privileged to have had that break, but I'm fresh and I'm back and it's good to be back with you both. We've got lots coming up on the show today.
4: and dynasty ends as it began in triumph.
2: That's it. Last year, the Crusaders defeated the Chiefs in the grand final 25-20 and, of course, with the Super Rugby kicking off next month, I'll speak to a Tongan-born front rower who won Rookie of the Year for his club in his debut season. Not only that, Indra and Patricia will cover sports in both Fiji and Papua New Guinea. Plus, we've got loads more, so make sure you stick around.
1: ABC Radio
5: Australia. You're listening to Fresh Off The Field. Uniting the Pacific through the universal language of sports.
2: We're back at it again this year. My co-hosts and I will be reporting on sports from across the Pacific, analysing and detailing all of the best bits in sport. But before we get to that, let's have some fun. Coconut Wireless. Oh, we've had four weeks to see what coconut wireless is out there. Uh, so the coconut wireless, of course, is where we discuss sports gossip in your country. What athletes are crossing codes? Which coaches are getting axed? What did your auntie hear at Bingo? Now, it's not fact and it can't be backed up, but these are just rumours happening around sport in your country. Indra, in Fiji, we're going to start with you. Well, you haven't uh, had a break yet, so surely you've heard a lot of coconut wireless over the last four weeks. What's happening in Fiji?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, it's usually the quiet time during, a, uh, during during the break, but it wasn't that much this uh, time around. We had, uh, you know, tournaments and games happening right throughout up until a week out from Christmas. But yeah, the first one is with the uh, OFC women's Olympic qualifiers to be held in um, in in Samoa in a couple of weeks' time. Fiji which will be playing up and will be up against the likes of the World Cup uh, participants the New Zealand side Papua New Guinea etc are eyeing a US based player by the name of Talei Moody that's what we're hearing she uh, is a California resident and um, she plays for the University of San Diego so we've been hearing that she might be featuring for Fiji now if that happens it doesn't let's let's see they already got two uh, players out of US in the current Fijian squad so they're looking at Talei Moody whose family has played in the past for rugby, etc. So uh, that will be one to keep an eye out on uh, in the next week or so. And the other one is that, uh, you know, rugby league, the Melbourne Storm are coming across to Fiji. And what I'm hearing is uh, and a couple of our Silkdale players uh, are, are being eyed on, upon by the NRL uh, cult clubs to take them across perhaps uh, as, as the NRL season gets underway in March, to start looking at them into their development squads, etc., so that they can develop them for the future. These are particularly young kids, and I know the two are in talks at the moment, as per the rumour mill, and they perhaps could be making their way across to uh, Australia and be part and parcel of that. And now finally, also hearing that the Flying Fijians coach to be named uh, soon, and the seventh legend, Waisale Sarevi, uh, who is a Fijian and world legend in rugby sevens, is putting his hands up for a position within the Fijian rugby setup.
2: Ah. There that is a lot. There is a lot going on. And I'm glad you're catching us up over the last four weeks. I just want to start with Tale Moody. Uh, what was it, do you know, that Made her decide to want to come back and play for Fiji. Was it her parents, or was it just she's only now really capable to play in the national side?
0: And uh, I think I think after after Fiji has been trying to rope in some overseas players, but the issue has been the passports for these players, and with all the with all the uh, you know uh, FIFA regulations around it. So that has been so they've identified Moody as one of them who's wanting to join. And they're waiting for a passport, but now she's saying she wants to come back and play for her parents, rather, um, you know, her grandparents and continue the family tradition uh, of, uh, you know, being, being able to represent the country that's uh, related to one of her parents and uh, just make her family proud.
2: Mm. And Melbourne Storm coming over to Fiji, no doubt. Some young rugby league players are going to be very excited. They're going to be putting uh, be on show. Is that the feel amongst the community that they are having an opportunity here?
0: Oh, the Storm has got a big following here from the days of Suliasi Vunivalu and Marika Korimbi <laughs> and the likes, Tui the most recently. Uh, even though the Storm lost Justin Allam this week, and you know. They 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 looking at uh, looking at the storm support here. It is one of the biggest, and not only the players but the fans are also excited for that preseason game in Lotoka in uh, next month. And uh, yeah, no no, a lot of lot of players are now looking at league and going, huh? Oh, I might be able to impress uh, the league scouts and uh, get a go in Aussie in terms of not only the NRL but perhaps the New South Wales Cup or the Queensland Cup.
2: Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for that, Indra. Uh, Patricia, let's take it over to PNG. What have you heard on the Coconut Wireless?
3: Well, uh, first up, uh, well, since Indra started off with rugby league, I thought I'd throw something in there. (laughs) Well, so uh, two of um, PNG SP Hunts' players um, have joined um, Dolphins for preseason training uh, and it's rumoured that one of them might just be kept with the squad, with the possibility of making the extended squad for the Dolphins in the 2024 season. Now, it's it's interesting, you know, like what Indra just said, we had uh, Storm losing Justin Olam and two Tigers, and now like eyes are on which next PNG player will, you know, get into the NRL. So, a rumor like that, everyone's, you know, eager to find out whether it's going to be true or not. So, we'll see how that pans out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Another thing, uh, we have um, clubs who have won uh, PNG, Football Association's Men's Premier Soccer League and the Women's League last year are still yet to receive their prize monies. And it's been over a month now. From what I'm hearing, um, the association is still looking for funds to pay those clubs who won the last season before they start off the 2024 season also still on on foot on football um png football association has recalled um the services of their former technical director interestingly he was sacked last year and now he's been called back to take the role of their competitions manager
2: I just want to take it back to those uh, winning teams that were you know, told that they would win prize money. You say that the association is looking for the funds. Where are those funds? What were they spent on if they weren't for the prize money?
3: Yeah, that's right. From what I know, uh, last season, uh, all three of the national competitions uh, for football in PNG didn't have a major sponsor or any corporate backing. So... They used, uh, the association used money that were paid through affiliation fees, player registration and all that to run the competition now. After all the finals ended last year, um, you know, they made the announcement of this much amount of money will be given to the teams who have won the league. Now, the highest was for the men's Premier League. Uh, The winner was promised 150,000 kina. And it's been over a month now, and they still haven't received the money. It's not just only for the competition winner, but for the runners-up and the third and fourth place, and those players who won MVP, Golden Glove, Golden Boot, and all that. They've all still haven't received their prize monies.
2: Mm, It is a major thing. If you can't pick up a sponsorship, a major sponsorship deal with your organisation, that is where a lot of the funds come to either pay these or even administration costs as well. So uh, very interesting news there, both in Fiji and Papua New Guinea. Thanks very much for that, Indra and Patricia. That was... Coconut Wireless. All right, it's time to find out what's been happening in sport across our islands. Indra, what sports have grabbed your attention in Fiji at the moment?
0: Yeah, as I said, uh, Bobby, it's been it's been interesting. But uh, locally, uh, it's the as we speak today, earlier on today, the Coral Coast Sevens, which includes teams, uh, the shadow teams, uh, the invitational teams, including national reps from New Zealand, USA, etc., are in Fiji playing in the tournament. It's the Coral Coast Sevens which mind you has attracted some big names like um you know the former South African stars former Fiji rugby 7 stars current New Zealand rugby 7 stars who are all here the Fijian team is playing as an invitational side and uh it's 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 massive it's it's a massive tournament uh, just about 2 weeks out or week and a half out from the uh, from the sevens in Australia on the World Seven Series that will be held uh, for the first time in Perth, and so uh, there's a lot of interest that's being that's uh, that's being um, you know seen and uh, there's being felt in Singatoka, which is about two hours out from Suva, where this tournament is being held for the next three days. You've got coaches like Sir and Titchens, the former New Zealand champion sevens coach, who's here, Weisle Sarevi, the sevens legend. And uh, you got uh, Dan Norton is coming in from uh, England, uh, so, so it's 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 a big uh, hype of activities in terms of rugby at the moment on that one uh, in Singatoka.
2: Wonderful to hear that those big tournaments aren't just being played in the main cities, and they are going out uh, to the communities uh, where they absolutely love it, Indra.
0: Oh, most definitely, and this is where Ben Ryan, when he first came in as the seventh coach for Fiji, identified some big names, unknown talents playing in these tournaments, have won't become superstars in their own right on the world stage. So it's great. It's it's, it's free entry, which attracts uh, locals. Mm. Everyone loves to see uh, their players in action and stars in action with a bucket of cover, of course. <laughs>
2: of course. <laughs> uh, what else is happening in Sporting Fiji, Indra?
0: Yeah, and, and as, as we heard when you guys were at the Pacific Games uh, late last year that the bid amongst those who have bid for the 2032 Pacific Games is Fiji. And in the build-up to that, uh, Fiji last hosted the Pacific Games, the then South Pacific Games in 2003. So they're looking at... Uh, oh, they've put in the bid. Um, the facility renovations for that has sort of started. Uh, so recently, just as uh, last week, we've had our National Aquatic Centre, which is now fully operational once again, uh Olympic-sized pool. And, uh, you know, with a lot of international competitions coming across our new tracks at the main national stadium is all ready and up and running and should be officially open next month. And that will be tested by the best of the Oceania athletes during the Oceania Athletics Competition coming up uh, later on uh, this year. And also the hockey turf, you know, the Fijian teams in the next week or so, adding off to um, the World Fives Hockey Cup and that that is a boost for them. Uh, and uh, Fiji is uh, looking at, you know, just building more facilities for sports, not only for the future, for Pacific Games, et cetera, but uh, for, for local development as well.
2: Would it be something that's utilised by other neighbouring Pacific islands as well? Because I know not all of the islands have those facilities available. Yeah,
0: most definitely. I think uh, Fiji wants to become or is sort of the hub of sports in the region, um, you know, apart from Australia and New Zealand. But mind you, some of these facilities, you know, with the, with the, with the Pacifica uh, uh, neighbours wanting to use it, I'm pretty sure that they will be most welcome to <laughs> even even playing some of their home games. I know, for example, the Moana Pacifica the side in Super Rugby has been facing some issues with home grounds. So, I mean, why not bring your games here in the future and make it a doubleheader with the Drua most probably.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And we will be seeing some more games in the Pacific during the Super Rugby, which is incredible. Uh, now, you caught up with a couple of people this week, Indra.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, the sevens is on full swing. Day one's uh, been underway in Singatoka today in the Coraco sevens. And the pleasure is always when you have a referee who is always looked upon as not, you know, siding with Fiji. Fans always have their calls, but Fijians absolutely love him. Rasta Rashi Venge, who is the uh, former World Rugby Sevens uh, top sevens referee, spent some time in Australia as well. Um, nowadays, he does high performance, etc., and also um you know he's here for that uh, tournament that's uh, underway that i mentioned it was great talking to him and just uh, uh looking at what uh, and how does he see tournaments such as this and Fiji's performance uh, in the in the current series and also i uh, managed to uh, uh, catch up with, uh, with 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 the former Ah, uh, seven star out of South Africa, Kyle Brown. But first up with Rasta, the question was: You know, being in Fiji, how does he see tournaments such as Coral Coast Sevens being played in the country, such as Fiji, where sevens rugby is more or less a religion?
4: Yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic, and um, the the main thing is just to discover new Fijian talent and to take the game to a next level. So, yeah, that that's a new experience. So, coming to Coral Coast and obviously unleashing new talent is amazing.
0: Now, we see a number of changes on the world stage from your days of refereeing and now into uh, high performance, etc. How do you see these changes?
4: Yeah, from a refereeing perspective, obviously you know that I've given up uh, the refereeing side, Um, I'm in the performance analysis side and uh, obviously involved in the media side, so the great thing about it is that, um, yeah, with change comes different dynamics, um, and the different dynamics bring new challenges, uh, and the different playing styles change, so it's a transition stage, and Fiji will find its way back, and uh, hopefully Fiji will get back to the top of the World Series.
0: Now, Fiji has always been renowned as a powerhouse in sevens, but recently the performances haven't been good and some concerns have been raised in the build-up to the Olympic year. What do you think can happen or needs to happen for Fiji to start performing again?
4: Yeah, I, I, I would not would say some teams are catching up, but I would say Fiji needs to go back to its, its own identity, you know, so uh, they'll get there. Uh, if they focus on the core values and the core principles that uh, Serevi was discussing, obviously in the media and stuff. So if they focus on their core values, they'll get back to their strengths um, as they are a powerhouse of sevens and they're the pinnacle of sevens. So it's just small things that they'll fix uh, within the next months and they'll do well in the Olympics. So looking forward to that.
0: Also with me is uh, you know former South Africa sevens legend, Kyle Brown. Kyle? Coming to Fiji, what's the feeling like being here?
5: Yeah, an absolute dream come true. I think uh, you can only be smashed for so many years by Fijian players before you actually want to visit for where they come from, you know. So I've heard a lot about Fiji over the years, and the hospitality of the Fijian people is just—it's uh, uh, unparalleled. And I mean, just the, the the small time that we've been here already, we can see the the genuine heart and welcoming spirit of the Fijian people. So it's going to be a magic week ahead. I think the rugby is going to be Titanic. Uh, struggling a little bit with a calf but we'll see how that goes but uh, we've met a whole bunch of the guys on the plane here um, and I think the boys are just generally looking forward to a lovely week
0: and the standard of rugby sevens in Fiji is renowned all around the world you must have heard about it even though it's your first trip into this country
5: not great expectations I know the rugby standard here whether it's the post office team or it's the local school boys from the 18 side is mega so I know that uh, the Fijian boys live and die sevens rugby um, so I'm pretty excited to see what it's all about down at the, at the ground level in Fiji and and just see where this production line of phenomenal players come from.
0: Humorous talents galore in the next three days here in Singatoka. You would be excited uh, to be part and parcel of it, isn't it?
5: I think that's what's always important about local tournaments and especially growing the local tournaments because because when you grow the stature of the tournament, you attract all of the local I mean, all the All the good stuff comes out of the woodwork, you know? And uh, I think that's what Coral Coast Sevens has done. It's grown in stature over the last 10, 12 years. And now it's attacked a, a tournament where the, the best young talent wants to get out there and put their hand up and just show what they're capable of. And uh, we've also got a couple of big faces watching the games and, uh, and scouting for talent out there.
0: Finally, Kyle, you know, looking at the Sevens World Series, there's, there's been great performances so far. Uh, bigger teams are not doing as we expected them to. Smaller teams are showing that they can battle it out. What's your take on that?
5: I mean, I think th- this season we've been watching Argentina and and uh, I think somebody asked me, Tom Mitchell actually asked me a question about what, how do I feel about the the, the, the brute force versus art of, of, of sevens rugby. And I think there's that's the beauty of it, is that you've got the differing styles, but I think the best blend of the two will win at the end of the day. And I think that's what we're seeing from a team like Argentina at the moment, who's got incredibly strong runners but they've got finesse and they've got skill and whereas Fiji for me leans more to the art side of it where they're enormous men but they don't use brute force they use their art and their skill and then they also have that size and New Zealand would probably lean a bit more to brute force and South Africa has a little bit smaller guys but they rely on their strength too so I think the game has evolved quite a bit over time that if you're not up there physically you're going to struggle anyway. And then all of that lays the foundation for the flair of the game and allows it to open up a bit more. So it creates its own opportunities. So.
0: Those are two of the uh, legends of the game in their own right uh, Rashtarashi Venge, a former World Seven Series referee, and Carl Brown, a former South African seven star.
2: Two incredible interviews there, Indra. No wonder you haven't had a break. You're not doing one interview, you're doing two. You're a busy man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was exciting to catch up with both the gentlemen. So down to earth, so humble, and superstars, as I've said, in their own right. But they're just loving it, fantastic for them to be uh, in Fiji. And they're just saying, it's not only the rugby. Kyle Brown, it's a quick one. Uh, Kyle Brown got taken up to a village in Singatoka, and he got taken in a boat. And he was, you know, once he got back, the question was asked, how did you feel about that? And he said, boats are not supposed to be doing that, taking him (laughs) up in that manner. But he absolutely (laughs) loved it. Because, you know, they took him up on a shot over jet boat uh, up to the highlands and, you know, it does a 360. And believe me, <laughs> he's a superman of rugby who couldn't <laughs> handle that, but enjoyed it nonetheless.
2: Oh, I love it. He's getting the warm welcome into Fiji. The hospitality is fantastic. I love to hear it. Thank you, Indra. Uh, Patricia, can you fill us in on all things sport in Port Moresby?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, most sporting federations are still finalizing their annual calendar in what is shaping up to be another busy sporting year. But one code that's already kicked off their pre season is the SPPNG Hunters, who are preparing for another season in the Queensland Host Plus Cup. Now the Hunters finished 10th on the ladder last season and with the appointment of Paul Iton as their new coach they are looking to turn things around to a more competitive season. They have about 6 weeks before the season kicks off on March 9th with their competition opener to be played in Port Moresby. Now their new coach Aiton has been part of the team, part of the coaching team rather, in the back end for the last couple of years, and now he's been given the opportunity to lead. If there's anyone who knows the team with the vision to flip their results, it's the former PNG Comal's. Now he is expected to announce his squad for the season this week, as they go into competition mode in the next month. Another development from the team is the inclusion of two of their members in Judah Rimbu and apple Capineers who have joined the nrl's dolphins for pre-season training with the possibility of making the extended squad for the 2024 season now this partnership with um, the dolphins is an an integral part of a strategic partnership between the club PNG Hunters and Dolphins. Um, their goal is to, you know, get more local players from Papua New Guinea into the NRL. So uh, by by the end of this week, we should find out um, which players will make the SP Hunters squad for the 2024 season. And as the month goes, uh, we shall see how these two players uh, their progress with the Dolphins in pre-season and whether or not they will be included in the extended squad for this year's NRL season. It's great to see so many uh,
2: PNG locals getting contracts in the NRL. Um, How has the KUMULs coach Justin Holbrook been uh, about PNG securing a team in the NRL? I imagine he's getting right behind it
3: yeah yeah he's you know he's really supportive and he's helping to to drive the agenda you know with his experience uh coaching in in the nrl and he's in there and he he knows what's happening in there so you can imagine you know how much effort he's putting into you know getting more of the local players into the nrl pathway and more importantly you know pushing the agenda of you know PNG having its NRL team one day. And what else is happening in sport in uh, PNG, Patricia? Yeah, um, the PNG men's national cricket team have a busy few months ahead as they prepare to make their second T20 World Cup appearance in the West Indies and the United States in June. Now, their captain Asad Vala, said his side is in a competitive group in the world cup uh about 2 weeks ago the icc finalized the fixtures for the world cup in june and png has been pulled with um four of four very tough opponents i'd say um so they're in the same group as West Indies, Uganda, Afghanistan, and New Zealand. So you, you can imagine how competitive that group is going to be. Uh, it's going to be um, probably a group of most difficult opposition to date that the PNG Baramundis have, but the team has welcomed the challenge and they have been training really hard to you know, get into the World Cup and be competitive uh, They will play their group. Opener against West Indies on June, before taking on Uganda, New Zealand, and Afghanistan. Now, PNG is ranked 19 on the T20 international rankings, and you now they're going up against West Indies, who are ranked seventh. And we all know West Indies is a team to be reckoned with in T20, <laughs> and you know the other three teams are also highly ranked. All teams are ranked in the top 10 except for Uganda, who are ranked just below um, Papua New Guinea. But, you know, the Baramandis have put in a lot of effort into qualifying for their second World Cup. The qualifier was held in PNG last year, and, and now all of their efforts are into preparing for the World Cup. And uh, I've, I was at their training um, yesterday, and, you know, you could tell they're putting in the work training field training in the field gym sessions strength and conditioning yeah. it's mm. really good to see you know not a lot of uh, pacific um island countries have or you know get that opportunity to get into the world cup apart from australia and new zealand you know to see to see png you know getting into the world cup for the second time and it's going to be really tough for them you know in their last world cup um they were not pulled with, you know, teams like West Indies and Afghanistan, you know, top 10 ranked teams. And now it's going to be an even challenging World Cup for them. But we will see how they go in the next few months and get to the World Cup. So the Barramundis, of course, uh, they are, you know, the top
2: Pacific cricket team in, in, throughout the Pacific region. Also, the women are very strong as well but hopefully they can do well and represent the Pacific and get into another World Cup. That would be uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, now, Patricia, who did you have a chance to catch up with this week? Well,
3: this week I had a sit down with the PNG Football Association General Secretary just to get a rundown of you know all the football activities for this year. OFC has a very, very you know, competitive calendar and I asked Gordon if he could give us the time frame of when we can expect to see the PNG women's national team get into camp for the OFC Olympic qualifiers.
1: So, um, we, uh, they, they should actually be coming in, uh, in the, in the next couple of days. They could say that this week or next week they'll come in. Now, the coaches were here yesterday, uh, just to finalize some arrangements, um, uh, for, for the tournament. Uh, the players, we've already booked them to fly in, so we should just be able to get them all in here. Before that, we want to lock in at least four weeks, four weeks of training or three or four weeks, and then they should be off. So, because part of it is they'll be travelling, they should be at the tournament a couple of days ahead of, the, ahead of the start of the tournament, so that also gives them some time to acclimatise to Samoa, and uh, I think some of them have already been there in the last Pacific Games, so they should understand uh, how it is. But uh, we would really like to um, qualify. Uh, Papua New Guinea is not um, represent, being represented in, the, in any of the Olympic Games for both the men and the women. So with the women, uh, it's a bit different. For the boys, would they use the under 23? Women, it's an open category, so we can we have the opportunity to 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 win this um, qualifier and qualify to represent Oceania, but they should be in uh, this week. I've already seen all the the bookings already set and made. So, uh, as I said, they should hopefully start training uh, outside realistically on Monday. Going forward, we should be able to have the full team here. I think some of the girls here in Port Mosby have already started, so they've already been. They've been uh, going on now for the last week. So it's only the girls from the outer provinces that uh, need to fly. There's about six or seven of them that will come in and uh, complete the squad that's already training here.
3: And for this tournament, I think uh, the only team that PNG needs to get past is New Zealand. I've looked up the history and PNG in the last four edition, I think PNG finished second all the way except for the 2018 one way finish dead. New Zealand's going to be
1: the team to get past. That's the fear that everybody has with New Zealand, but then he, New Zealand are just... Um, it's the mindset that we bring into yeah. the game that gives them that um, advantage, but I think um, we have been able to score goals against them. Uh, we've been able to beat them. It's It's just the confidence that the girls uh, need. I mean, New Zealand's coming out of uh, the Women's World Cup. They have a very strong squad, but whether they feel that same squad or not is another thing. Uh, But for us, uh, as we said, we have to build capacity. I think you're right in saying that we've been second for too long. Uh, There's got to be a time that we need to step up and take the pole position I think, um, as I said, one of our plans um, or the plans of PNGFA uh, that um, the president and ESCO have been pushing for is to bring in um, coaches who can build our capacity locally. So that's one of my priorities this year is to see if we can get a women's, another women's coach in who can come and help our local coaches. Uh, but that's um, something it's difficult now that everybody's... Um, Uh, looking to win tournaments in the region like the preparation of all the other MA's also in Oceania, we're racing with everybody to bring the best coaches in and uh, to make sure that our teams win That's uh, with the men, with the women uh, with the youth uh, but I think uh, our focus in terms of really being serious about what we want to see if we want to go to the World Cup is working on the youth and that's focusing now on the uh, under 16 girls and boys and building their capacity or our capacity at that level, giving good coaches to train our kids in preparation for that. But it's looking at that, it's always a challenge going into tournaments. Uh, with New Zealand there, I think uh, everybody wants to beat New Zealand. And I think we also have the opportunity to prepare and do something that other countries haven't done. I mean, other countries haven't gotten sick yet. We've always been the ones there. And Fiji is probably the other country that pushes to be there.
2: Mentioning there that, you know, they were going to have a focus on the under-16 boys and girls. What are those competitions like in Papua New Guinea, Patricia?
3: Well, for, for your competitions, you know, it's still, it's still a developing um, program, I'd say, um, back then, when I was still in high school, we used to have school soccer where you get you know kids in the youth age groups competing in competitions like that, but it sort of died out away and just now it's reviving. You know, there are certain uh, football associations, the local ones across the country, they have competitions with youth age divisions where you have under 13, under 17, under 19, and up to as young as under 7. And just last year we had uh, the introduction of the National Youth Soccer League for men, so we had all the under-20 and under-19 aged boys compete at the National Youth League and it's something that PNJFA is driving towards, you know, getting more youth competitions in like this year's OFC calendar has more youth competitions than open competition, so I think it's it's something that you know PNG, as well as all the other Pacific Island countries, uh, are working in you know, developing their youths. Yeah, it's
2: really important across the board for sport, you know, it all starts at grassroots level, and if they've got comp- uh, competitions for under sevens, uh, then they're certainly doing the right thing there. Uh, thanks so much for those uh, reports on the ground in the countries, uh, that was Indra in Fiji and Patricia in Papua New Guinea. Uh, Let's take it now to sport across the Pacific. Indra, uh, we spoke about cricket briefly. Actually, that was myself and Patricia. But there's some women's cricket happening uh, in the Pacific region. What's happening there?
0: Oh, most definitely. There's there's the Pacific Cup uh, Women's 2020 tournament that's happening in New Zealand. Actually, it got underway yesterday, Bobby. And we've had some real uh, good games. The... uh, a toroa Maori women uh, taking part. Papua New Guinea, Cook Islands, Vanuatu, Samoa is also amidst, amidst them. So, um, you know, some good games played there. The one I enjoyed yesterday was Papua New Guinea-Samoa. Papua New Guinea, massive 10 wicket winners over Samoa. Uh, they, they were the biggest winners of the day, followed by Cook Islands, who unfortunately took down Fiji by nine wickets. So it's good to see that the female and the women cricketers are getting their chance to play uh, in this part of the world. At some high level competition Which usually hasn't been the case in the past
2: Cook Islands, uh, good to see that they're doing well Not so good to see that Samoa are losing by 10 wickets to Papua New Guinea I mean, <laughs> that's good news for Patricia and everyone in Papua New Guinea But as a former Samoan cricketer That's a little bit disappointing, but that's alright uh, Patricia, uh, what have you got happening uh, in sport across the
3: Pacific? Yeah, we have... Uh The OFC Women's Olympic Qualifier that's set for next month in Samoa with um, eight countries in the Oceania who are preparing for the tournament now. The eventual winner for the tournament will represent the region at the Paris Olympic Games in July in a couple of weeks, we'll see the tournament pan out with two groups of four compete in a single round-robin format before the top two teams in each group face off in the semi-finals. Now, like I said, the tournament's winner will represent the region at the Paris Olympic Games in July. Now, at the tournament um, we will see... Um, In Group A, we have Fiji pulled with Solomon Islands, PNG, and American Samoa. It's going to be a really competitive group. While in Group B, we have New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, and Vanuatu. Obviously, board groups will be highly competitive uh, given recent performances of most of the teams at the Pacific Games. Um, New Zealand has the upper hand, being the dominant side in the region and having come off of the FIFA Women's World Cup last year. They've also been the only nation to represent Oceania in the last four Olympic Games. No other Oceania countries have made it to the Olympic Games apart from Australia and New Zealand. Um only two countries have come close to reaching the Olympic Games through this qualifying tournament, that's PNG and Fiji. PNG has managed to finish second to New Zealand on three occasions um, in the past tournaments, while Fiji being the recent team that finished as runner-up to New Zealand in 2020. So it would be interesting to see how the tournament unfolds in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we've always got New Zealand and
2: Australia dominating Oceania. It would be wonderful if we could see Fiji or Papua New Guinea uh, making it through there. And I'm loving seeing it. I say it every time I hear it, but all of these Olympic qualifiers that are happening within our region, it's great to see. And the facilities that we've got in our regions is getting better and better. So it's great that our athletes don't have to travel outside our region to be able to qualify for these Olympics, especially coming up uh, this year in Paris. Thank you, Patricia. As always, it's nice to hear Hear about sport happening across our islands, so big thank you to Indra and also Patricia. Fresh off the field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific, ABC Radio Australia. Salamau is a Tongan born front rower who debuted for the Highlanders in 2022 of the Super Rugby Pacific. I asked him what it was like to run onto the field for the first time with his teammates. It
6: was a special feeling because. As a kid growing up in Donga, um, it was always my dream to um, to play rugby at a, at a high level, especially um, super rugby. So being able to um, run out there was the special feeling, really, yeah. Mm.
2: Now, not only did you debut in 2022, you were also awarded Rookie of the Year for the Highlanders. What did it mean to you to win this award?
6: Um... It means a lot to me because, you know, that was my dream to to play for rugby and getting the award was just um, special because I couldn't have done it without my teammates and the help of um, coaches and the staff and the islanders. So, yeah, it was a special feeling.
2: You've been described as hardworking by your teammates. What motivates you to train and play as hard as you do?
6: Um, for me, it's just, like, everyone's got their own stories and what drives them to um, be successful. And for me, it's just my family back home, just working hard to um, provide for my family and friends back home. So, yeah.
2: You mentioned your family back home, so you were born in Tonga. What family do you still have that are based in Tonga?
6: I've got most of my family back home, like mum and dad, um, my two sisters, one of my older brother and cousins, aunties and uncles. So yeah, most of my family are still back
2: home. It sounds like you've got everyone back there. How often do you yeah. get to visit Tonga?
6: Um, I try to go back home once a year. So maybe after this rugby or the NPC season. So, um, when COVID happened, I couldn't go home for um, three years So. When they opened up the borders, it was it was um, it was good for me to um, go back home just to see mum and dad and see everyone back home.
2: Three years is that the longest time that you haven't seen your family?
6: Yeah, that was the longest time
2: oh. um,
6: since I moved to um, New Zealand.
2: How, how was that emotionally? How did you handle mm. that?
6: Um, it was hard not seeing my family face to face, but obviously everyone's got a home. If they can just contact their family. forget so how I um, give a touch with my family, just to message to you know.
2: mm. What does it mean to play rugby at the highest level as a proud Tongan to you?
6: Um. Like I said before, it was always with my family and just to, um register my family <laughs> at the highest level and the people back home to that. That's that's why I play rugby to um, make my family proud and the people back home, and to inspire the kids back home. They um they can do anything if they work hard for it. Mm,
2: absolutely, uh, you've struggled with some injuries in the past. How do you stay motivated when everyone else around you is able to play?
6: Yeah, I hit um, two big injuries in the past, so it was hard for me. She's Sitting on the sideline, watching the boys train, and just doing my rehab. So that's part of rugby because you, you you can get injured. It's just up to you to um, if you want to bounce back and and overcome that challenge. So it was hard, but it was good. It was a good challenge.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you've definitely bounced back, and it's made you stronger. <laughs> Uh, if you had to give some advice to young Tongan kids who want to play rugby at the highest level, what would be your advice to them?
6: I'd say to them, um, grab grab every um, opportunities or chances you got with two hands. Um, like what I said before, you, you just gotta work hard. Anything, I think anything you want, it really um what I wanna say to them.
2: Uh, the Highlanders finished ninth last season. What can we expect to see that from them this year?
6: Um we've um, we've been working hard in um, the pre season. It's been a tough pre season so far, so we've got another block um, next year. So and we got a young um a lot of young talent coming through. Yeah, uh, and a new team as well through. So we've been um, working hard and we're just excited for um next season.
2: And finally, Salah, uh, how is your body feeling and what can we expect to see from you this season?
6: Um, My body, I'm just happy that I'm easy. Hmm. But body is is a bit sore at the moment. It's just from um, (laughs) pre-season. But it's part of rugby news. We've got to work hard during pre-season to... um, to um, next year I sort of just
2: excited and can't wait. All Working hard, no doubt. That's what you're known for and what you'll continue to do. Thank you so much for your time today, Salah, and good luck for the upcoming no. Super Rugby season. Thanks for having me. That was Saula Mau from the Highlanders. I look forward to seeing how the hard-working front rower performs this Super Rugby season. All right, well, before we finish up, it's time to get to know my my co-host and I a bit more. It's time for our next segment. Giamman stopware is Tok Pissin for Pick the Lie. Now, each co-host will tell us three things about themselves. Two will be true and one will be a lie. And the other co-host will try to Giamman stopware. Indra, we will start with you. Three things, please.
0: Oh, this is one segment I always have to think very hard, you know. It's, it's um, <laughs> sort of running out of ideas nowadays. But anyway, so... so Had a great Christmas and I went fishing and, you know, went diving. So the first one is I caught a 52-kilogram tuna. (laughs) And it was absolutely fantastic because that was the first time I've reeled one in. And believe me, everyone around me had a good time eating it. Secondly is I am calling a number of OFC tournaments this year more women's tournaments than ever before. So it's a great achievement for me personally. And third is that I am the only one from Fiji who voted on the FIFA women, FIFA awards that just finished this week, where Lionel Messi uh, got to win the best male footballer amongst the other awards that were given. So I am on that voting panel out of Fiji. So those are the three for the first one for the year.
2: Oh, wow. I like it. You say you struggle, but, jeez, you always come up with some good ones. All right, Patricia, we'll start with you. Uh, these are the three things just again. Uh, so... <laughs> incredible if this is true. Indra went fishing and caught a 52 kilogram tuna. Um, He is calling some OFC tournaments this year, a number of them. And the last one is he was on the voting panel for the FIFA Awards. Which of
3: those is the lie, Patricia? Mm, That's really tough. Let me think. I know he's calling some games, so Mm. that's not a lie. So it's between No,
0: sorry. I think for, for the Games on Bobby is that I'm calling more women's tournaments this year than I've ever done before.
2: Oh, right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, I still <clears throat> think that's true. So how
3: about you, Patricia? Yeah. I think the lie is you were on the voting panel for the FIFA Awards.
2: Okay. So I'm going to say I, I agree with you, uh, Patricia, in that I think, yes, he's calling more women's games, OFC tournaments. That sounds true. FIFA awards voting panel—that is huge if it's true. But also the fifty-two kilo tuna. Oh, the sashimi would have been incredible. That I'm—I I'm, um, think I might go with Patricia and say that you are not on the voting panel of the FIFA awards. Um, Indra, what what is the lie?
0: So um, I am on the FIFA panel <gasps> that votes for the awards out of Fiji. So I wow. get to cast my vote. For the very best footballers around the world for the FIFA. Wow. All categories, men and women. Uh, I am calling more women's games for the first time than ever before. <laughs> yes, that is a true. I can't catch gold fishing. I can't even catch a one kilo fish. It'll, everyone laughs at me if I ever go out fishing. So, no, I uh, 50... Odd kilos would be a kilo for me. So no, that's a lie.
2: Oh, uh, I should have done that. You know, and what I do, it, it gets me every time. I follow my co-host. No offence, Patricia, but that was your fault. All right, Patricia, <laughs> uh, it's your turn. If you can tell me three things about yourself, please: two true, one lie.
3: Okay. First up, um, I am a vegetarian. Two, I don't know how to swim. And the third one is I used to run track events in high school. All right,
2: vegetarian Pacific Islander. Not many of you around. Uh, second one, you can't swim. That's more common in the Pacific, I believe. Uh, and the third one, you used to run track and field in high school. Indra, what is the lie?
0: Mm, she's put us in a tight spot, hasn't she? Um, <laughs> She's thought of this one well-orchestrated move by Patricia. Um, I would think she knows how to swim. She's a Pacific Islander. I think all Pacific Island kids, well, most of them do some form of activities in school, so athletics, yes. I think the first one, I mean, Mm. yeah, she did say earlier on that she had a big bowl of vegetarian last night, I think, but I'll Mm -hmm. still stick my neck out and say she's not a vegetarian.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'm doing it again. I'm going to follow my co-host, but I do believe that you are not a vegetarian. Patricia, what is the lie?
3: Well, congratulations. You both got it right. I yeah. am not a vegetarian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Indra. Well done. I got that one right. Um, all right, my turn now. So over the holidays, I did these three things. Two are true, one's a lie. Uh, I played golf with my dad three times. I went to bingo with my sister-in-law, and I went down a massive water slide with my nephews. All very exciting things. Uh, so, Indra, what do you think the lies of those three? Played golf with my dad, went to bingo with my sister-in-law, or went down a massive water slide with my nephews?
0: Water slide with nephews, who doesn't love that? I love meeting up <laughs> with my nephews and nieces, so I reckon that's a true... Golf, you're an outdoor person who loves doing stuff. You're from a former cricket international, so yeah, I'd say you played golf with dad. But bingo, mm. yeah, if you'd have said maybe a grandmum or granddad, then I would have said yes. So I'd think that would be a lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sister in law too young for bingo apparently. Okay, no worries. Uh Patricia, <laughs> what do you
3: think the lies? Yeah, I think I'm I'm gonna go with Indra. <laughs> I th- know well having met you. I can say that you play golf and water slide's fun. And like Indra, I love my nieces and nephews too. So yeah, I'm going to go with you went to bingo.
2: Okay. All right. Well, uh, my sister-in-law did come over and stay with me and so did my dad and nephew. So all of these people came and visited me and I did play golf with dad. And my sister-in-law invited me to bingo. But I don't like bingo, so I didn't play. So you're right, I didn't go to bingo. (laughs) (laughs) You are, Indra. You got two then. Oh, well done, both of you. Uh, Look, that does bring us to the end of the show for this week. A big thank you to my co host, Indra Singh, News Director of the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation. Indra Singh, thank you, Indra.
0: Thank you very much, Bobby and Patricia. I really enjoyed it today.
2: Oh, of course. And Patricia Chiamo, sports journalist for the National Newspaper in PNG. Thanks, Patricia.
3: Thanks, Bobby. It was fun. Indra, great to, you know, have another show with you again. It's the <laughs> second time we've been co host together, so... Really, really excited. Hopefully I'll see you in Samoa for the Olympic qualifier. And a big thank you to our producer, Nelly,
2: for putting the the show together as always. Thanks, Nelly. Thank you for listening to Fresh Off the Field, the sporting pulse of the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'll be back next week with two new co-hosts from across the Pacific talking all things sport in our region. This episode was produced on the lands of the Ghana people and the Gadigal people.
5: This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.